Well, hey guys, welcome to Take Action Podcast with Monty and Yura. We are recording season two, episode four today. We have super, super exciting guest. It's been more than a month in the making. So we all pumped about having Tim Mile in our studio today. We are recording this podcast before my vacation. We're actually shooting two podcasts in a row today. This one gonna come out in two Mondays or this part might be edited you never know so we are super excited to go on vacation with my wife you guys gonna get this podcast once we come back but we are super pumped shout out goes to ryan and leah jx from title town travel we had them on the podcast earlier in our season one and we scored a killer vacation in dominican republic so we're super excited to ditch my kids at grandparents place and go take action on some eating drinking and swimming just me and my wife let's see what happens how are you Monty? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Excited. I get to nerd out today. So how Yuri was a couple weeks ago with his tech talk with Brad, I get to jam about paranormal stuff today. Tim, we're really pumped to have you here and I'm looking forward to picking your brain on this because this is actually something I was going to do late 2000s was start doing paranormal investigating. I've just been intrigued with it ever since I was younger and super excited to talk today and, and get to know you. So welcome, Tim. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's always yeah. nice to talk to people that have an interest in this. You got into paranormal investigating investigating probably around the mid-2000s as well. That's kind of when all the ghost shows came out, right? Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, those. What was it for you that really got you going into paranormal investigating? Uh, this is going to surprise you, but I had no idea those shows were on TV. Really? I, uh, I bought a home in 2006. Uh, I was going through a heck of a time personally. Within a week or two, I started having things happen in my home. And it just, uh, it all snowballed. I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I'm a wrestling geek. That's like my... WWE. Yeah, yeah, WWE at the yeah. time, ECW. I was into I, that too. That must be, we, we got some stuff going on. Here. We do. <laughs> and, and I was watching ECW on Sci-Fi and a commercial came on for Ghost Hunters. I was blown away. I didn't know this stuff existed. Yeah. And I started watching the shows, DVRing them all. And they started talking about TAPS home family teams or TAPS family teams. Yeah, and, the plumbers. Uh, Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jason and Grant. Jason and Grant, yeah. And I started looking up teams in Wisconsin because I had all these things happening in my house. I had I had voices in my closet. I had footsteps going from room to room upstairs. Uh, and this is all within a week of living in the home. How did you react at first? I called my mom. <laughs> and uh, I, how I did. Old were, first of all, how old were you? I, <laughs> you were old enough to own your own home. Obviously. I was 31 at the time. And I uh, called my mom. I told her what was happening. Growing up, we really didn't talk about this stuff. I mean, yeah. my, my dad's side of the family is very religious. And for them, that meant it was heaven or hell yeah there was oh, no for sure yeah there was there was no need to even discuss it no pur- no purgatory yeah. no ghosts nobody's you know stuck on some spiritual plane or anything like that e- exactly so you know i'm talking to my mom and my mom's great advice that day and i'll remember it until the day i die she said well go look and see what it is and as i i dropped a four-letter word on my mother and uh, <laughs> and uh i said there's no way in hell i'm going up there and looking at and, and trying to find out what that was but the, the stuff progressed a lot of my family was telling me that my dad was in the home and he was looking over me because it was a very dark period of my life. And years later, I would find out that it was my dad. Oh, wow. Um, at the time, I wasn't ready for it. But like I said, watching the shows, I started researching teams in the area and I reached out to four teams. None of them got back to me, which was disheartening. But in the grand scheme of things, 
uh, things couldn't have worked out better. Yeah, well, I mean, we watched the Ghost Hunters show, right? So those people were like, hey, they're taking phone calls from clients, and they're going there to help people. So maybe you had that, like... That, that was the or, expectation. That was the expectation. Um, was late. But what they did is they forced me to educate myself. Yeah. And it's turned into a 12... Well, in January, January 7th. It, it was Since then, it's been a 12-year obsession. Wow. Um, trying to find answers and, and at the same time helping as many families in the state of Wisconsin as we can. Yeah, and you have, I mean, so you, you work for the Fox Cities Paranormal Team. That's the found, you founded that. I founded team. that team in 2008. Uh, Todd Arnold's been with me since the beginning. People come and go. A lot of times they don't understand the type of work that goes into it. I would think that, it, you know, because you see the TV shows and you get to see the investigation, the evidence parts, but I would imagine the prep work to get prepared for that show is is probably, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's weird because going back, if I could go back to my high school history teacher and uh, explain to him, I'm really sorry I didn't pay attention to history class. I never knew history would become such a big part of my life. Uh, research for every case. Some cases, it's difficult. You go to a very small town, they don't have very good records, right. but you can get lost. You know, you can lose an entire day at the library, at the Register of Deeds, looking up things for, for an investigation. Um, that's actually the fun part for me. Yeah. Uh, the work begins when you go into a home. We deal with families. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do we do commercial buildings. Sure. Uh, we deal with families, and there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of responsibility because you're dealing with people's lives. Yeah. You don't have the opportunity to be wrong. Sure. Know? If you're wrong, you really can, can screw up a family. Yeah. How do you start with the investigation? Like, as far as what do you look for? If you're going back to the records, what are you starting with? Like, you're just looking at, like, who, who owned it, the property, for as far back as you can. You're looking at microfiche and... Well, like that. all of those things, yeah. actually. You start by finding out who owned the home. And from there, you can find out who else lived in the home. It'll actually tell you in the records what they did for a living, you know, where they worked. Um, I'm not real big on did they die in the home. Sure. Uh, I believe that uh, people come back and they visit family. They visit places that were special to them, not necessarily where they passed. I'm real negative when it comes to cemeteries. People go to cemeteries and they... And they investigate there. I just, why would you stay there and lay in the dirt if you if you had an opportunity to right, go wherever you right. wanted to? So yeah, we look for those things, things that were special, things that uh, that they really love, objects, places. You know, we're sitting here in the shadows of Lambeau Field. And I always told my ex-wife that if you want to come talk to me after I pass, check out Lambeau Field. That's where I'll be. <laughs> You'll probably go there. <laughs> Lambeau may be the most haunted place in <laughs> in all of Green Bay. Then, exactly. If that's the case. <laughs> and the ghosts are, I'm assuming, not not fun when you look at. TV and cartoons and movies, even Ghostbusters, you know, it's a lot of jokes for all of us until you actually meet one. So as Tim mentioned, for families who's stuck in a haunted house could be quite an emotional experience. And even Tim being a big fan of WWE, it's not like you can put your Undertaker outfit and go give them a tombstone, you know, <laughs> can put them back in. It's a lot of more work involved in that i gotta give you credit that's the first this is the first interview I, that i've done that they've intertwined intertwined the uh the, the, my two obsessions uh that was great leave it to yuri yeah up the undertaker that and bringing up your cemeteries when i was preparing finding doing my research part on you and investigating i stumbled on a pretty interesting article that there are 12 haunted cemeteries here in Green Bay. So we'll put up link for those. Tim mentioned he doesn't like cemeteries, but who does? So <laughs> hey, for a lot of people, that's that's their connection yeah. to, to what we do. Uh, for me, it's just I, I would rather deal with with the family aspect yeah. of it. And you've done well, you're actually helping people. 
So that's the other part. You're not just going there because you have in, an, an inquisitive evidence, looking for an evidence that there is other side or this other part that we just don't really understand yet. That's why they call it paranormal. But you're actually looking to give that family some comfort and some help. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you this, in the 12 years that I've done this, the only thing I'm certain of is that there's something yeah. after we're gone. And, and that gives me hope. Right. Uh, up until I started doing this, I was confused. You know, I was raised Lutheran, lost my dad at a very early age. And and at that point, I kind of swore off religion because, you know, what God takes away a little boy's dad. Right. And here I am, and it all makes sense. It all comes together, and I'm kind of reconnecting with that spiritual side now. Sure. Nice. Sure. And it's kind of very similar for me. I'm from Belarus, so basically we are pretty religious in my country. I'd say it's mostly split between Greek Orthodox and Catholics, but people have strong beliefs. So just like with Tim growing up, there was no never Halloween in my country because people are so religious we were not allowed basically to celebrate ghosts and ghouls and dark powers so when I moved to United States Halloween became my new holiday <laughs> it's so fun but like I said it's only fun until you actually meet ones and, and the most rewarding things that I've done in this field is you know helping a family and getting a text message a week later from the the father or the mother saying, hey, my kids slept in their own bed last night. You know, yeah. For me, that's that's the reward. Some of it, too, I think is a mostly, I can't say mostly, because you've done way more of these. I've done two investigations, I think, in my life, and they were on ghost tour type things. So it wasn't really an investigation. It was me following along a guy telling a ghost story. And, yeah, we, we all went. Yeah, uh, we did the Door County uh, like, one. Oh, you did Door County, but yeah. you, oh, we you did Shannon, Bay and one. Yeah. we did the Green Bay one. Yep. It was like four or five, five stops in here. Right, yeah. So it was fun. We actually got some pretty cool pictures out of it, though. We have visual evidence on camera, which is really pretty awesome. So maybe I'll get see if Shannon can get those pictures and we'll share those too. We'll uh, we'll share them with Tim, see what he thinks. But so when you start these investigations, family calls you. I'm sure there's a there's more of a consultation kind of. Hey, let's go through. Let's look at the mechanics of the house too. We're hearing some weird noises. Make sure there's not a raccoon in the ductwork. You know, stuff like that. Is that kind of how I'm picturing how this goes? Hey, the first step is yeah, they make contact with us and I ask them to give us a, a detailed account of what's happening in the home. You know, email that to me so I can study it, so I can get an idea of what's going on. Uh, then we go with a, a phone interview. Yeah. Uh, get to know the family so there's a comfort level there, not just with, with me, but with them also. Uh, and from there, we do a, a home tour, kind of get an idea of what they're experiencing and set up an investigation if it warrants. Uh, there's there's a lot of trust between us and our clients. Sometimes, and not, not every time, because I don't feel comfortable telling a client they can't be in their home. Right. You know, they've just met me, but there are, I would say, three quarters of the clients that we've had just give us the house keys and and say let us know what happened and that's a lot of trust for sure you know you're, well they're vulnerable at that exactly point. You know, they're at the point where they're like fight or flight let's figure this out or i'm out uh, what i try to tell the uh the new people that join the team is imagine yourself being in a situation where your last resort is calling in five strangers to walk around your house in the middle of the night to tell you what's going on yeah there's an incredible trust there. We don't take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah, it's humbling. It's an honor. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years. Best 12 years of my life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be therapeutic for you, too. Knowing that you're just helping, you know, in a, in a unique way, like not just like uh, not you know, we've had we had Livy on two weeks ago and we talked about a lot about the crisis center. Like mm -hmm. 
these people are legit mentally in a crisis with whatever is happening, whether it's whether it is paranormal or whether it's just like, hey, our ducks, you know, our ductwork is whistling in a weird way at weird times of the night, and they don't realize it. They're they're still in some sort of crisis mode with what's going on. So well, I, and maybe especially if you have something going on in in your life, you're already stressed, and then you get paranormal stuff on top of this. So this is where your anxiety and depression well, probably hits the roof. And from what I understand, and obviously. You're the expert. If oh, you're no, no expert. No expert. Okay, well, you're, trying, you're, you're, you're a lot further along yeah. than I am. But from what I've seen, you know, from the shows, is usually these spirits, whatever we want to call them, they're in an approach. They're they're easy. It's easier to take advantage of somebody who's in a situation like that too. Yeah. At least the benevolent ones are. You're spot on on that. Uh, you know, one of the things I also you know wanted to, to let you guys know. I, I'm not so arrogant to think that we've helped every family. Right. There have been well, you what, invest- 225. Yeah, about 225. 250 yeah. somewhere in there yeah it's like I've, uh, i worked with ten thousand kids in recruiting i haven't helped all of them you know it's it's frustrating when you when you don't feel like you've helped yeah uh, because i take it personally the only thing i ever promise a client is we'll do our best to help yeah. you and unfortunately there's some people we run into that that want a ghost so badly yeah that uh <laughs> you know we're not able to provide that for them yeah. <laughs> um and uh, I would imagine if you talk to them, they probably wouldn't very have very high things to say about Fox City's paranormal team. But you know, we pride ourselves in being honest and doing the work and doing our best to help that family. That's really what's important to us. Right? Yeah. I mean, I can't. You can't. You can't. Much as there's people out there that are probably rolling their eyes listening to us right now, like ghosts aren't real. Whether you feel that or not, if they haven't had the experience, it's hard to say. Hey, and, you've had it. You know, I'm not here to change your mind either. Right. Um, you know, if if this isn't for you, it's not for you. Right. Up until I was 31 years old, it wasn't for me either right it was an experience that i had that maybe kind of changed the way i think mm-hmm. and until you have that i can talk until i'm blue in the face right. i'm not going to change your mind whatever Tim. yeah and, and that and that's fine yeah you know I'm, I'm not telling you you have to yeah. buy into you know everything i'm saying but it's it's things that i've experienced right. that I, I just can't deny well that's that's spirituality and religion 101 is yep. believe what you want believe what you feel you feel whatever and then you go go about your life you know mm-hmm. off of those values if you take any values out of it or whatever you know that's just how it is I think that's that's crazy like for people to think that you can't be right like I don't know I'm not a religious guy at all but I believe in I believe in paranormal stuff so I just don't know how it's working out I feel like there's a science side of it I don't know I also don't believe a lot in religion either so I just I'm just kind of forming I'm still learning and formulating my opinions on that side of my life so you basically you believe that something out there we just don't know what yeah i mean i believe in a higher power i just don't believe in the way that it's prescribed to us in certain formats you mentioned expert now it was so quickly to go no 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 i don't think we're truly experts until we pass you know that's when we have all the answers probably um there's a lot of people in this field that i that i love that have a great deal of experience and I do whatever I can to pick their brain. And I would like to think I kind of know what I'm talking about. But yeah, expert level I think is when you're when you're finally gone and you've moved on to that next place yeah. and, and you truly can say, well, this is what it is. Yeah, if you're really like hovering over your body and there's the light or people who've had those experiences that come back and they say they see the light. What is the light? You exactly. Know, we don't know until we experience it. So yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. Tim had over 225 paranormal investigations Investigations. You were also featured on Sci-Fi Paranormal Witness program, right? I was. It's a lifetime ago already, though. This is 2013, so seven years ago. No, but it's still so cool, you know. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was a difficult process. Uh, it's TV. 
Yeah. So they want you to say things the way they want them to air. Yeah. And I'm stubborn, and uh, the field means a lot to me. And, and I didn't want to portray things the way they weren't. Uh, so I ended up being in, interviewed for 12 hours. Well, six hours one day, they sent me home because I was stubborn. You get interrogated. Yes. And then uh, the next day, they brought me back, interviewed me for another six hours, and um, ended up like three minutes of TV time. All of a sudden, it, it was like my life changed. Really? When that episode Just hit. from one episode of being I, on TV. I was getting messages from people in the field I respected. They said, hey, I saw the uh, saw the episode. It was great. And uh, there was like this validation that we were doing the right thing. And right. I, was, I always thought we were anyway. The case that they, they talked about, we worked on that case for over two years. Wow. If anybody knows where Chilton, Wisconsin is. Yep. We worked on that case for a very long time. Involved a the spirit of a two-year-old boy uh, that was murdered in the home. Ooh. And uh, the older man that had murdered him was also haunting the family. Oh, damn. Huh. So, uh, yeah, we worked on that for a very long time. Came to a point where I brought in my first medium. Scotty Rourke came in and helped us. Didn't know anything about the case. Just hopped in my car and we went. He didn't know where we were going. And uh, helped that family and actually moved the spirits along. And seven years now, they haven't had anything happen in their home. So I gave wow. you the very short version. Yeah. I go into more detail in my book. And uh, I, I've done other radio shows where we just concentrated on that because there's so much detail that goes into it. But Paranormal Witness, they, they did what they promised. They kept the, the story the way it was, I wanted it to be about the little boy, Chris. Mm -hmm. But everything else was sensationalized and moving around. But sure. it's TV. Yeah. When did that happen? Like the the actual murder? Uh, the actual murder happened in 1967. Okay. And we didn't get into the home until 2010. Okay. So the family had moved in there. We were doing a kind of a little lecture thing at a, a restaurant in Chilton. Okay. And uh, the lady that lived there worked at that restaurant. She came up to us and was like, I think I need your help. And up until then, she didn't know how, who to reach out to. Sure. She was like you. Exactly. And uh, we went into that home and, and uh, most active home I've ever been in. Yeah. I was going to ask you that later. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, 1967 to 2010. So some the spirit was there for almost 50 years. It's yep. it, it's not a joke, but there is a joke coming up right now. Monty is a real <laughs> estate agent here. So when you guys sell a house, should you disclose that the house is haunted when house goes for sale or when somebody is buying it? Is there a special checkbox haunted? No, there's no there's no checkbox that it's haunted. <laughs> if somebody asks if the house is haunted and the person selling the house discloses that as a real estate agent we're taught to disclose everything even if it's asked but if they don't ask then we don't need to disclose that so i don't know i've never asked like a seller to, at this point like uh okay how many water heaters do you have? What are you including into the house? Uh, is your house haunted? That doesn't come up in the conversation of me selling somebody's house. I try not to judge when I look at certain houses either. You know, like, oh, this house is amazing. It looks great. It's so comforting. And then you go to the next house and it's kind of worn down and it's a rehab and you're like, but I thought about that. I had a house in Reedsville that I flipped that was almost a hundred years old. And I was always worried when I went down in the basement and the there was like a, <laughs> it's really weird. There was a grow room. Somebody was growing weed down in the basement and they had everything blocked off and there was a dirt floor and hydroponics. I mean, they really were all out for being some people who should not have had kids. They were pretty good at growing weed. So I was a little, I got a little bit nervous when I was down there and I never felt anything or had any anything to say about it. And I was in the house a lot by myself and never had that. Although I did in one of the houses that I just was showing, I had an open house and I don't know, I couldn't figure it out. I tried figuring it out. I heard plain as day a man's voice. Don't know what he said, but I heard a man 
man's voice. Disembodied, total whatever, no explanation. I walked, because it was an open house, so I figured maybe somebody was coming up to the door, and it was like right in my ear, right in my right ear. And I like looked outside, I walked around the whole property, and it was a quiet neighborhood. There was, I looked over the neighbor's fence to see if somebody was outside, nothing. And I was like, huh, I don't know. Didn't chalk it up to anything, just, I was like, well, into the open house, I'm out of here. <laughs> Did you get some chills out of it? No, actually I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I just kind of was like, went into my 17 years of watching ghost adventures and ghost hunters experience and got curious and walked around for a while to see if I could debunk it. Well, now you run into that situation, you know who you can call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll come in and help you out. Exactly. Well, I want to do an investigation yeah. with you. I think it would be cool if you'd love, even for a couple hours, just come in and see what you guys do and check it out. We could talk about it. I was going to say, I grew up just outside of Reedsville, so the grow room doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> yeah, the police officer, when they left, when I bought the house, the police officer pulled up to the house the next day, and he said, do you know where they moved? And I said, I'm pretty sure they moved to Manitoba walk or two rivers and his exact words this police officer you can edit out the swear word he goes bro i fucking love you thank you for buying this house and getting him out of the neighborhood nice like, and he bro hugged me and i was like all right cool man guess i'm helping the community too flipping <laughs> nice. a house so well, that was pretty cool well if your house is haunted and if you grow some things that actually might work in your advantage you know it can it might make you see things that aren't there <laughs> it depends how much you consume but in a lot of cases, a little of THC or CBD oil can make your experience a little bit easier yeah. and make you bro with a ghost, yeah. you know? <laughs> in the very early days, we showed up to a home in Appleton. The homeowners were noticeably high. Yeah. And they had three small children. And they drugged them all with melatonin and had them sleep in the living room. I think this was six months into me doing this. And now, if it would happen 12 years in, I'd be like, all right, we need to contact the authorities because yeah. this isn't right. At the time, I was just terrified. I just started doing this. This is the first time we've run into something like this. Yeah, you run into some strange situations. Mm-hmm. But I've also met some of the greatest, for sure. sweetest people You know, that are just looking for answers. Yeah, for sure. Talking about drugs, I could understand you not taking them seriously. First of all, it's early in the morning and you're already higher than the sky. Plus, we all know that consuming drugs, especially in large quantities, make you see and hear things so that's we end with two kids in the house it's not cool no not not cool at all and uh that's one of the regrets i have you know you look back at things and there are certain things i'd do differently on certain investigations yeah. things we could have done better and then there's the human aspect of it and like i said earlier not perfect yeah we, but you still like that's a learning experience now that you know you're stronger now than you were then too so you didn't want to ruffle feathers yeah. or I'm definitely more opinionated <laughs> I am uh, it's easier for me to deal with with difficult clients now opinionated or set in your ways opinionated yeah, all right. in in this in this field you can't afford to be set in your ways you have to continue to learn have to continue to grow otherwise the entire field just passes you by yeah I would suppose you got to be pretty open-minded yeah. all the time which is weird because <laughs> I got a great network of friends on social media but some of the people in the field not so open-minded no no very close-minded on certain topics <laughs> and you kind of just got to mute them for a while because you know I'm, I'm not real big into politics yeah so. <laughs> we talked about that last week on how everybody's exhausted now from the political arguing yeah. so hopefully everything's getting a little bit better but we got election coming up 
so we can see it's ramping up. Oh, it's gonna be ridiculous. Considering building my Facebook for a few months around November or <laughs> disappearing somewhere. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about 225. We just talked about the one that was the most emotional, the one that you got through. What are some of the craziest things you've seen, heard? Maybe like a top five things or something. I don't know. We can go wherever. Craziest thing I've seen. People are familiar with the Kiwanian. The Karsten. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I think it is the Karsten. Yeah. Karsten. Yeah. It keeps getting bought and sold, and then yeah. they they liquidated it, and I was yeah. worried it was never coming back, and, and now it seems as though it's open again. Uh, there was a building across the street. Uh, it used to be a morgue. I can't. It was under the Blue Door Bar at the time. Yeah, okay. And they gave us access to that that building. They asked us if we wanted to investigate there too, and this was again very early maybe a year into mm -hmm. investigating. We said, sure, you know, but we didn't have enough equipment with us. So we didn't put any video equipment over in this old morgue. And it was myself, Tony, and Todd. And uh, Tony really helped me solidify the team early on. He's like a brother to me, Tony Macario. He's uh, no longer with the team. He started a family. Just didn't have the kind of time to dedicate sure. to this. Love him to this day. I, I probably watched the Packer game with him Sunday. Uh, and Todd's been with me since the beginning. So we're sitting in this room that houses a water heater. And, and that was about it at the time. But there was a slanted floor with a drain. And there was a small hallway type room to my left. And I was standing in that doorway. And along the base of the wall, there was a hole where you know they could drain things into the room. Oh, yeah. And we're kind of guessing back and forth as to what it could be. And Todd had his flashlight. And he's kind of just flashing it around and you know because there's times during these investigations you get bored and the light hit that room just right through that hole on the base of the wall and i happened to be looking to my left and i saw a full-bodied apparition of a woman hanging from the ceiling oh and um i'm not going to swear on your podcast but you can't, uh, okay. i swear <laughs> enough i was looking to my left and all i said was no that's all i could get out and it was the first time i'd seen a full-bodied apparition and again i just said no and tony's like well what's going on you know tony knew me well enough you know like what's happening and uh, i just said f no <laughs> and Tony's like, what did you see? And I said, I saw a lady in a white dress, which sounds so damn cliche. Right. But it's what I saw. And her head was limp. Eyes were blackened. And she was hanging there like she'd been placed on a meat hook. Oh. And, and I saw her for like three seconds and then she was gone. We started doing some history, some research into the history of how funeral homes did their business back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's actually an artery in the bottom of the foot that they would cut open and let the body drain. There I am looking at this woman hanging there, and possibly she could have just been hanging there bleeding out yeah. and showing me that. And that one haunted me for a long oh, time. Oh, I would imagine. Pardon the pun. <laughs> it really did. It bothered me for a really long time. Uh, one of the other things that uh, we've dealt with, uh, we did the, we've investigated the Oshkosh Public Museum probably. I've heard that. Six times. Yeah, I've heard that one's pretty crazy. And uh, we... We weren't expecting a whole lot. They, they brought us in. They wanted to do an exhibit on paranormal investigation. Yeah. And we thought that was great. And Deb Daubert was a curator, and she said, you know, we, we researched all the teams in Wisconsin, and we chose you, which is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. And so during the course of it, she asked if she could accompany us on an investigation. And I said, well, most of our investigations are confidential. They're residential. And I just kind of threw it out there. I said, but if you want to do one here, mm -hmm. you know, you can tag along. You can see what we do, how we do it. Didn't have any expectations as to what would happen. And all of a sudden, we had all these voices on our, on our recorders after the first investigation it was wild did a second investigation there and uh, brought scotty work with us again the medium that we work with and uh, he led us to an old uniform a military uniform of lieutenant edgar dunham and he had the first name right and it was in storage and edgar told us that he wanted his 
uniform on display. Well, during the course of it, and I'm trying to shorten this down for you, but during the course of the night, I promised Edgar we would get that uniform up, put it on display. I don't have that authority at the museum. <laughs> so at the end of the rotation, I put the uniform back in storage. And I walked downstairs to the second floor, and there's a grandma's attic exhibit. And as I walked in through the front screen door, I got shoved in the middle of my back, right between the shoulder blades. Really? Pushed me forward about a good three, four feet. Whoa. And uh, I looked back at Scotty, and Scotty looked at me. He goes, he's pissed at you. It's like, you promised him. So I called Deb, and I said, well, this is what I did. And she's like, yeah, we'll get his uniform on display. Go upstairs, put it in my office, hang it in my office, explain to him what we're going to do. It's going to take a while. We'll get it out. We went down to the, the main floor, and right in front of everybody something just ran through my chest. They hit me in the chest, knocked me back. I was actually standing against Scotty and it was dark, but I looked at Scotty and I was like, I hit again. He goes, yep, he's proud of you. That was a chest bump. Oh, <laughs> and uh, we had a good laugh, but the museum did an entire display uh, dedicated to Lieutenant Edgar Dunham. Uh, they called me when they had it ready and I, and I went there and it was emotional. You know, you, you look at that display and you realize that your team is the reason that this is here. Yeah. That was a big deal. So I, I took a private moment there and just kind of talked to Edgar and thanked him for, you know, having faith in us and trusting us and definitely top five yeah. experiences while doing this. I mean, getting shoved and then chest bump later. Yeah. I mean, I'd been, I'd been hit by things that you can't see, punched. That's not so much at the top of my list of great things that have happened, but it's weird because it happens so fast you don't have a chance to react. Uh, and you probably have no sense that it's even coming usually. No. Like, you <laughs> no. don't hear like the footsteps leading to you. It's just they're like, hey, this is my, I'm a ghost. Yeah. I'm a ghost MFR. Yeah, one of the punch uh, him in the face. Check this out. Check that they're probably messing with him. Hey, come check this out. We're <laughs> gonna punch this guy in the face right now. And they're like, oh no way. <laughs> One of the first things, one of the first places we investigated was a bar in Fond du Lac, and, and I've signed papers that I can't say the name. It was early, and I didn't know any better. I did a lot of big talking, trash talking, because oh, yeah. we don't provoke anymore. I, I just don't believe in it. I, don't, I think you get better conversation when you're respectful. And, just like real human conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At, at one point, they were human, too. They, yeah, they had, they had hopes, sure. dreams, jobs, families. And most of the time, that's what we asked them about. I mean, if somebody provokes me, I'm going to get pissed. Yeah, that that particular night, we were in this bar, and the upstairs was a was an apartment, and the man had killed his wife and killed himself. And basically, I was angry that he had done this to this woman. And uh, in the midst of me talking all big and tough, this black mass appears in front of me that's probably about eight feet tall. And I'm just looking at it going, what is going And I looked at Todd, and Todd's like, I don't see a thing. It's like, I don't see a thing. And we switched chairs, and I'm like, it's right there. And I can still see it. He's like, I don't see a thing. So it was, it was definitely, I feel, directed at me. Mm-hmm. And you grow as an investigator. And otherwise, you know, I mentioned it earlier. If you, if you don't learn and grow. Yeah, you know, what's the, the point? The field will pass you by. I've grown, and, and, I'm, and I'm also humble enough to say, hey, I've made a lot of mistakes in this field, and uh, that's definitely one of them. But yeah, there are some things that happen that make you just kind of pause and reflect, and you know. But as much as there's those moments where you feel intimidated or threatened, uh, there's also moments where you connect somebody with their long lost grandma. God, that's beautiful. It really is. That's awesome. So, what uh, what kind of equipment are you guys using on the investigations? I uh, I'm pretty low tech. Yeah, probably a surprise, but uh, we got the four. Uh, IR cameras into the DVR. We've got uh, the fancy recorders that you see on TV. Usually I'll pick up some of the equipment, use it once or twice, and if it works for us, great. If it doesn't, at least I've tried it. Spirit boxes and those kind of things. I was given a spirit box by Tim Woolworth, the head of ITC Voices, one of the, the greatest minds in the paranormal, and also you know, lucky enough for me, a great friend. Yeah. We use that spirit box on occasion <laughs> during an investigation. I'm not real big on like REM pods and things that light up and things yeah. that make a lot of noises, because my belief 
belief is if I'm trying to talk to this spirit and I'm sitting there staring at that thing to light up, there's a chance I'm missing something happening right above it. Right. You know, and, and I'm missing the Holy Grail. Sure. Yeah. Um, imagine that at the Kiwani Inn, if I'd have been staring down at the floor at this REM pod, I would have never seen that lady hanging from the ceiling. That's so. crazy. Yeah. I know everybody that's been to the Kiwani Inn or the Carson Inn has has some sort of experience. My wife's aunt used to be the cleaner there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so she would always talk about just stuff falling off the bar, poltergeist activity, just all crazy stuff going on. I, I will say one thing funny about the Kimania. Uh We had an, uh, we did an investigation there. The place was pretty much shut down. It was the middle of winter. And uh, we had an investigator that sneezed in the basement. And it was caught on a recorder on the second floor. <laughs> Another night, we had somebody in Agatha's room. And if you know the history of the Kiwania, the Agatha's, you know, one of the prominent spirits there. We were in that room with the door closed, had a recorder at the end of the hallway. And it picked up our entire conversation like we were sitting right next to it. So sound travels really well there. So that's one of the things you need to understand. I did a, a lecture there. And during the lecture, I said, okay, so when you guys go to bed at night tonight, just remember that six doors down, they can hear you. So, <laughs> so let's, let's watch what we're doing. Um, and it got a good laugh, but it's the truth. I mean, a lot of people come in there and they get all these great recordings. But knowing what I know, yeah. it's hard for me to say, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely, that's definitely a yeah. spirit. I, I'm not here to dispute the things flying off the bar. I mean, I've yeah, I've I mean, heard. she's there cleaning it when it's yeah. vacant, too. But one of those things is a family starts experiencing activity, or in this case, the Kiwanian, and they lose the ability to be logical about other things. So everything becomes paranormal. I definitely think there's things happening at the Kiwani Inn. I'm, I'm not saying just because the soundtrack. Well, well, I mean, you saw it. I mean, yeah. you saw your, you know, yeah. the craziest thing you've seen. Yeah, there. but you also have to keep your head on your shoulders. For sure. Cool. So let's talk about, let's talk about Murray. Let's, let's talk about Murray. Let's talk about Murray. That's your guy. That's your oh, dog. Man. I read a little bit about your story and what you've done based off of Murray and your experience with your dog. I'll let you talk about it, but it's incredible what that dog did for you and then also yeah, what, it, what uh, it's led to. Yeah, there's a good chance I'm going to get emotional. That's my dude. Back in 2007, I, I moved into the home in 2006, and I mentioned having some problems. Right. And uh, things were very dark at that time. And I and I got him. I brought him home, and he was seeing the things that I was hearing. And he started following the stuff in my house. And I didn't feel I didn't feel crazy anymore. Yeah. As weird as that sounds. Yeah, that or you or your dog were both crazy together. <laughs> exactly. Right. My depression got the best of me in uh, January 2007. This is probably a little dark for the show, but I, I sat in my bathroom with the biggest knife I had in the house. And I went through every friend and family member and, and, and made an excuse as to why it would be okay if I wasn't here. One part that I miss is Murray was beaten very badly as a puppy. I got him at six months old. He couldn't wag his tail because somebody tried to tear it off. How can you uh, treat a dog? Anything like that. But through it all, I mean, he was this incredible soul and loved everybody when he had every right in the world not to. And I was at that moment, and at that moment, I felt something on my arm. I looked down, and it was him. He had put his head on my arm. And uh, I put the knife down, I crumpled to the floor, and I think I hugged and kissed and cried for like an hour. And I dedicated the rest of his life to making him happy and, and thanking him. And from that moment, he was like a son to me. Yeah. And, and a lot of people looked at me like, wow, you have this crazy love for your dog. But they didn't understand. And the dog saves your life, basically. Yeah. And how do you repay right. somebody that saves your life? Yeah. Uh, we had a connection. People say we had an unspoken connection well obviously we did because i don't we don't see speak yeah. the same language but I, I could look at him and he knew what i was thinking i started getting more opportunities within the paranormal to speak around the country and when you get those opportunities they give you a table and they say sell whatever you want mm -hmm. i didn't have anything you know and i thought well maybe this is my chance to do something good yeah i uh, started potographs for pooches in 2013 just simple idea photos of him and i and he was going to potograph them that's where potograph comes from a lot of people think i take pictures of dogs i don't um <laughs> potograph is a play on word of autograph 
Yep. And uh, $10 a piece, and it was very, very small in the beginning. My friend John Casty, he uh, suggested doing Podographs exclusive events where all the money, the ticket sales, raffles, everything went to a shelter in the area that we were in. And I thought that was a great idea. First event we did, we raised like $700, and we were so happy about yeah. it. And here we are. I started April 18th, 2013, so we're almost to seven years, and last October we hit the $40,000 mark. Wow. That's just amazing. The sad part about that is uh, October 14th, Murray passed away, and five days later we had another fundraiser and we had to go on with it but uh yeah that was my dude and i uh since i'm being open and transparent murray and i had a deal i always told murray i said you gotta let me know that dad has you, you gotta let me know you're with grandpa otherwise i'm coming to get you and we know what that means yeah uh, two days after he passed i got a message from john uh, that said your dad said he was at the bet with you and a day later i got a message from my very good friend april roan fantastic medium from florida and she gave me all these messages from murray and the last one was he wants you to know that he's okay and uh just amazing stuff and obviously you can tell it's hard for me to talk about yet you know the things that he did for me none of this happens yeah. without him you know you go back to 2007 and that could have very well been the end but it wasn't because he walked in i know this isn't on video but i got that tattoo of his paw print what i used to tell him before i went to work and when i got home uh he became my life he really did and i dedicated everything to him she was your baby baby oh god <laughs> yeah that's you know it's ironic we we have you on and we're talking about this because monday we had to put my dog down i'm sorry so uh, it was pretty tough yeah. He had a stroke that day. I got to go back a few days before that. I had an event in October, the weekend before all this happened. And my mom always takes care of Murray because I didn't trust anybody else with him. And uh, I knew I didn't have another event until March. And I told her, I said, I don't know what's going to happen. So can you make this weekend special? And she cooked him steak. She got him banana yeah. cream pie. She got him ice cream. She's sending me pictures all weekend. And I got home and he was so happy to see me. And I was like, he waited. He had a stroke that day on Monday. I picked him up. He went into a full seizure. And I got him to the vet. And they got him to the point where he was still there uh, but calm enough that he was comfortable Yeah, and I got to tell him everything I wanted you know, he gave me 12 great years yeah. 13 incredible That's so much more than a dog so weird we have you on today with yeah. that because I have the same thing and you just like it's weird because you know, she she's fought she was she's she's been blind for a couple years her hearing was gone her hind legs were out she I mean she's a 70 pound Akita you know mm -hmm. 75 pound Akita she's had infections for the last year and we were thinking like every time we feel like hey is it time she'd fight through it and fight through it and then Sunday night we got home from the Packer game we're all pumped about the win and she couldn't walk and she just looked at me and I was like that's it yeah you like, know I knew and she knew and my wife knew it was really weird it was almost relieving because we knew it was coming and then we were like how do we know when do we know and we just freaking knew we're like all right let's do this so we gave her you know venison steak and all the stuff you give to your dog and makes them happy and it was it was it was the most amazing like as as bad as it is to have your dog pass and emotional it is because they do become your family like to watch them pass it's so peaceful and they're comfortable we put her down obviously but like yeah. you think like we we can't do this for human beings and we make them struggle through all they don't know where they are there's alzheimer's dementia you know whatever and we can't even humanely do that to human beings yet we do that to our dog and it's like the most beautiful thing that's out there so yeah I, I had to put him down too we got to the vet in time and i got to get to hold him you know and, and a lot of people say you know i don't want to be in the room but and i couldn't do that to him after all he did yeah. for me well it's hard too like you think about that i'm like i was scared like mm -hmm. that you know because you're taking a life it's that responsibility is solely on 
on me and my wife to make that decision. That dog is either going to die a couple of days later yeah. or she's going to die on, on her own terms when she's, you know, like I said, weirdly to me, it was like, we know, like, this is it. And she didn't even fight it. She, like, did, like the vets came. We did it here at home. And the vets came in and she didn't even lift her head up. She just knew it's it. But it was amazing. Like, to see and feel the, like, that expire. And if I wouldn't have been there, I'd probably regret that forever. It's. It, I'll end it on a funny note so people can, can laugh. A few years ago, I had what I would call a vision. I don't call myself a medium, but there are things that I see and pick up. And it was me holding a puppy. And I was showing this puppy pictures of Murray and telling this puppy all about its big brother. And it dawned on me then that it was my dad saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. So I had it in my head that uh, this dog was going to be named Ray because of the last three letters of Murray's name. We're going to name him Ray. When you get this puppy, he's going to turn out to be Murray number two. And when April contacted me, she said, uh, Murray also says that he knows you want to get a puppy, but it's got to be a girl because he can he can be the only boy. <laughs> so I got a puppy that on December 23rd. Uh, she's also a lab pit mix, yeah. just like Murray. Shelter that we had worked with and and named her Ray, R-A-E. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, gotcha. <laughs> even, even in his, even after he's gone, he's still making decisions for me. But yeah, Ray is, uh, I talk to Murray all the time. I'm like, you got to come and help me with this puppy because it's killing me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to we're gonna switch gears now. Sure. So as we mentioned before, you know, one, one of the segments we do on our podcast, because we, like some of our guests know us, some of ours don't really well. And we had a great talk. We got pretty deep today on some things, but it's your turn to ask questions so we're going to turn it over to you we usually give you one or two questions where you can ask us and we'll uh we'll go from there we need to hear yuri talking and i've been talking more, more no kidding anyway. oh for sure and it's my wife's favorite segment she said she's gonna kick me out out of the house if we're not gonna bring the segment back so here we are i'm gonna throw you a softball <laughs> then, Mary. i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you tell me what makes your wife amazing oh my wife was it's just amazing every day. I'm gonna give you the shorter version of this, guys. <laughs> when we first met, she had a boyfriend, I had a girlfriend, but we spent so much time together and I felt a mad soulmate. So when I broke up with my girlfriend, her boyfriend went back to Czech Republic, so they broken things up. I made my move because I knew she's the one. I never had feeling about any of my girls I've dated before and it was feeling just right so i'm like i gotta lock this one on in the cage i gotta in the cage i'm gonna lock her in the cage like in, in my closet this one's not going anywhere so that was it i just had a feeling in my gut knew that she is the one and i never had anything like this before she's got a type she likes the European type guys, particularly Eastern I, European. I just found out I got to get a cage. I've been doing it wrong right. the whole time. Um, as long as it's pink and soft, and then then it's relatively he's humane. He's talking about the cage. That's humane, yes. yes. <laughs> so much, so much to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> And I guess my other question is, uh, what got you interested in the paranormal? You know, when I was younger, middle school-ish, you get, like, curious about certain things. And I had a group of friends, and, you know, we started playing around with the Ouija board and, you know, all that other stuff. And I never really had an experience with the Ouija board other than move. Like, I don't know. Anybody who's ever touched a Ouija board had always moved. Mm -hmm. So, like, to me, that didn't really do anything. You know, we spelled some guy's name, Zebekai, at this whole farmhouse or whatever. But that's not really the experience we had. That just kind of led into the curiosities that developed and I was in about a 150 year old farmhouse I would say seventh grade and my friend lived three miles from me so at the time my parents were cool I'd take my bike drive you know ride it three miles 
stay overnight at my buddy's house and he was a, it was a creepy house like it, literally there was a it doesn't help that his mom was you know, a wiccan as well but they had a room upstairs that was right next to ours that was locked we could never go in there nobody could go into that thing it, it literally had a padlock on the outside of it and the key wherever so anyway never thought anything of it you know i go there all the time never really had an experience i always felt a little bit uncomfortable upstairs but never to the point where i was like freaked out i just felt like i don't know feel weird sleeping at my friend's house maybe that's what it is it was a really hot july day and we had the old-fashioned air conditioner with the fan in the window type thing and it got really really it's like 3 34 o'clock in the morning and i laid out i was on the floor i'd set up like three sleeping bags and just lay on top of two of them and have one over the top and it got freezing cold we could see a thunderstorm coming in the distance and so my buddy he said go turn the fan off it's freezing in here all right so i go turn the fan off go lay back down on my bed and about five minutes later fan goes on again he was kind of he was like kind of like the uh the leader of the group but he was a little bit of a bully too and he's like i told you to turn the fan off and i'm like I, you saw me turn it off I, I walked over there i turned it off i've been laying here for five minutes and it turned back on and so he's kind of yelling at me at this point i don't know why for unnecessary reasons and i go and grab the fan out of the window and i'm the thing's off but it's running and i'm like yeah, I'll just unplug it. Maybe there's some wiring, whatever. I'm seventh grade, eighth grade. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Unplug it from the wall and it went full blast. <laughs> and it was like for two seconds, but it like I unplugged it. I was holding the cord in one hand and the fan, the box fan in the other hand, and it just went full blast. <laughs> and I was like, four in the morning. I don't care. I got a three mile bike ride. I'm out. See a dude. Threw the fan down on the floor. Yep, I'm out of here. Left. <laughs> And then took off, rode my bike home, got home at like four in the morning, the house is all locked up. My mom's like, what's going on? So I told her the story and she's like, oh, that's creepy. I'm like, yeah, I'm not staying there anymore. <laughs> so, so that was my, you know, whether it was or wasn't, I don't know, but that was like really kind of like, okay, maybe some stuff exists and you've gotten into it. I mean, you've probably heard of like Hotel Hell over in Manitowoc or Maribel. Oh. We would go there in high school and crawl around in the in the building, trespass and go in the building there. So if there's any, uh, I think we're way past my statute of limitations on that but i think you're good yeah but we went there was a there's an old stone barn there too and this was the other experience that we had and so we always had lookouts we bring like our whole high school communications class we would go there and so we had lookouts so i st i stayed by the stone barn me and another friend of mine we stayed by the stone barn looked out because we had already been in the house and whatever and uh we heard somebody scream in the woods who knows it was like high school high school kids would go there all the time mm -hmm. i was like wow somebody like but it was really weird and then we heard a horse like do it's like and so of course i'm gonna go check this thing out there are no freaking horses in this old abandoned stone barn all three of us heard this like a horse so we heard like a ghost of a horse or something like that ever since then i've just been intrigued and obviously the in the early 2000s all the ghost shows started coming out i just latched on and i love it whenever i can get out and do a ghost tour or you know hear ghost stories we all love our ghost stories so that's what that's what got me into it and you do a wonderful horse thanks, yes, thanks. Yeah. i've been working on that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> i've been working on that for a long time well awesome stuff well tim thanks so much for coming on man you filled my nerdiness we got way more emotional than i thought we were going to get today but that was i think it was really good and, and good content what you've done with potographs just awesome stuff hopefully you can do that with ray it's been pretty cool man thanks this for coming is on. A, this has been a fun morning for me yeah uh, nice meeting you guys and maybe we can do this again someday yeah maybe oh, we, for sure maybe we can sneak me into one of those non-residential investigations yeah. and we can talk about the investigation on the next one and i do have some uh, adult diapers in my car just in case if you need oh, no. one on our investigation <laughs> i'll be fine maybe i don't know it's always, depends always on what you eat before the investigation always, I guess. yeah get some taco bell before yeah. you go on you'll have some real stuff on your recorders <laughs> <then>. <laughs> 
thank you for joining us today, team. We were super pumped for an episode, as I mentioned before. This been month in the work, so finally, team joined us. So thank you very much for finding the time. I know between your real job and I'm assuming your paranormal activities is your second full-time job. Thank you for finding out time, joining us in the studio. That was. I do, have, I do have a question. Where, if somebody's having issues in Green Bay, or for that matter, anywhere, like where do they turn? Where can they go? Go to foxcitiesparanormalteam.com. Okay. Uh, check us out there. Send us an email. Uh, the email, when we when we created the email, I don't think I was in my right mind. It's fcpt, period, wi, at gmail.com. <laughs> it's Fox City's Paranormal Team, period, Wisconsin. Yuri will put it on the Facebook and at the, Gmail, and Instagram. Just send me an email there. Uh, let me know you have something going on, and uh, we'll we'll come in and try to help you. Awesome, very cool. And do you guys have a social media page? Do you have Facebook? We do. We do. Fox City's Paranormal Team on Facebook. Well, that's easier than your email. It is. <laughs> uh, you can go there, check us out, uh, like the page, follow us. Uh, we're not too exciting on that page. We'll post articles and stuff, but I don't post evidence uh, because that's between me and the yeah. and the family. The most you'll get out of us is, hey, we're we're going on an investigation. We have an investigation tomorrow if the weather holds out for us up in mountain oh. so a bit of a drive for us looking forward to that another residential yeah another opportunity to help a family yeah, so. cool man very cool well awesome stuff well thanks again uh, you guys can find us as well as usual on facebook twitter instagram we're not on snapchat or tiktok yeah because we don't send dick pics out that's <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that part right <laughs> No, I'll leave that in. Alright, so all those places <laughs> just threw that one out there. All those places, YouTube, you can find us everywhere. So guys, have a great week. Catch you later. Absolutely, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. As Monty always mentions, take action podcasts with Monty and Yura. AG and BG before Google, after Google. So open your Google browser, type in take action podcast with Monty and Yura and you'll get all of the search results come out with all of our links all of our podcast episodes and in the meantime we are on Captivate Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically any platform. And don't forget to check out Tim Miley's Fox City Paranormal page or their website. And thank you for joining us today, Tim. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Do, 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 do. Boom. <laughs>